From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Twenty-one states allow citizens to carry firearms concealed without a license. And now Ohio is in the process of moving a bill to become state number 22. So where do things stand with constitutional carry in Ohio? What still needs to happen for this law to take effect? That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek. Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association. And in this podcast, we're going to look at the progress of Senate Bill 215. While this is not the only constitutional carry bill under consideration, it is the bill that is most likely to make it to the finish line. The legislative process can seem complicated to the average person, but I'd like to walk you through it to take away some of the mystery. So, here's how it works in Ohio. A legislator discovers a problem that requires legislation to fix. The legislator goes to the LSC, the Legislative Service Commission. That's a nonpartisan agency providing the Ohio General Assembly with drafting, research, analysis, and other services. The LSC drafts a proposed bill to accomplish the legislator's goals. The bill is then filed with the House or Senate clerk and assigned a number, and it's referred to the Rules and Reference Committee. The Rules and Reference Committee reviews the bill and refers it to a standing committee. There are a variety of committees, each of which deals with different topics, such as public utilities, energy and natural resources, transportation, and so on. The committee holds public hearings. There's an initial hearing to give the sponsor an opportunity to present the bill. Then there are hearings for those who support or oppose the bill. If the bill has the committee's support, they will vote on the bill and pass it out of committee. The Rules and Reference Committee may refer it to yet another committee, take no action, or schedule the bill for a floor vote of the entire House or Senate membership. If passed in the first House, the bill is then sent to the second House, where this process is repeated. If the bill passes in the second House with no changes, it then goes to the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate for their signature, and at that point it becomes an act. There are additional steps if there are amendments or if the two legislative houses do not agree on the final form of the bill, but we'll skip over that. Assuming the bill passes both houses and becomes an act, it is presented to the governor. If the governor signs the act, it's filed with the Secretary of State for final enrollment and becomes effective 91 days after filing. If the governor vetoes the act, It's returned to the originating House. Three-fifths of the members of each House must vote in favor to override the veto. 
If the governor fails to take action within 10 days after receiving the act, it becomes law without the governor's signature. Now, this is a simplified version of how a bill becomes a law in Ohio, but those are the basic steps. So, where are we with Senate Bill 215 for constitutional carry? Senator Terry Johnson introduced SB 215 in August of 2021. It was referred to the Veterans and Public Safety Committee the following month and went through hearings. Committee members voted 5-2 to two in favor of the bill in mid-December, and the bill then passed the full Senate on the same day, 23-8. to eight. The bill immediately moved to the House, where it was introduced and referred to the Government Oversight Committee in late January of this year, 2022. That's where the bill is now, as we're discussing this. There have been two hearings in February, one for sponsor testimony and one the next day for proponent testimony. So let's take a moment to listen to this testimony. Then I'll tell you the next steps for SB 215. First, here is the bill sponsor, Senator Terry Johnson, providing testimony before the House Government Oversight Committee on February 8. This clip is less than two minutes. Substitute Senate Bill 215 for its first hearing, and the chair recognizes Senator Johnson for sponsor testimony. Chairman Wilkin, Vice Chair White, and Ranking Member Brown, uh, and members of the House Government Oversight Committee, thank you for the opportunity to provide sponsor testimony on Senate Bill 215. Uh, this is a remarkably simple bill. If enacted, Senate Bill 215 would establish permitless carry for qualifying adults in Ohio wherever concealed carry is currently permitted. Such adults are defined in the bill as those who are at least 21 years old and are not legally prohibited from possessing or receiving a firearm. Additionally, this legislation eliminates requirements for a person carrying a concealed firearm to disclose that possession to a law enforcement officer in the case of a traffic stop. Uh, and what we've actually done is amended Senate Bill 215 in the Senate Veterans and Public Safety Committee to only require notification if the person is asked by a law enforcement officer, uh, which is current law in 15 other states. The bill also eliminates the requirements for a concealed handgun licensee to carry their license while carrying a concealed firearm. Uh, as our founding fathers put forth in the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then, as we well know, the Ohio Constitution also puts forth this sentiment in Section 4. And it says, the people have the right to bear arms for their defense and security. Thank you for your time and attention to this important matter. I would be happy to answer any questions that anyone in the committee may have. Next up is Rob Sexton, Legislative Affairs Director for Buckeye Firearms Association, presenting testimony on February 9. This clip is just over four and a half minutes. Mr. Chairman, members of the House Government Oversight Committee, I'm Rob Sexton, the Legislative Affairs Director for Buckeye Firearms Association. I'm here to express our strong support for Senator Johnson's Senate Bill 215, which would remove many burdens on law-abiding gun owners and the burdens of which do nothing to actually reduce actual crime or save lives. 
The committee is very familiar with the intent of Senate Bill 215, as you previously passed House Bill 227, which has identical intent. Senate Bill 215 takes a similar approach to the same issue. Like 227, Senate Bill 215 would create what is often referred to as permitless carry, license optional carry, or constitutional carry, which is the ability for law-abiding adults to carry a concealed firearm without licensing or any other mandated requirements. But Senate Bill 15 takes a more direct, simple approach. It simply allows a person who is otherwise not disqualified to carry a concealed firearm anywhere they can carry with a CHL. Similar to House Bill 227, Senate Bill 215 also requires a person to inform the first law enforcement officer uh, who asks if they are carrying. Mr. Chairman and members of this committee have been told, well, the whole General Assembly, rather, have been told ad nauseum that bills like this would increase violent crime and even endanger police officers. Proponents, including Buckeye Firearms Association, have refuted these baseless assertions with a continual barrage of credible research that proves this to be nothing more than fear-mongering. Late last year, BFA shared comprehensive research by the American College of Surgeons, which stated this from 2018. Their study demonstrated no statistical significant association between the liberalization of state firearm carrier legislation over the last 30 years and the rates of homicide or other violent crime. Policy efforts aimed at injury prevention and the reduction of firearms-related violence should likely investigate other targets for potential intervention. So that was the American College of Surgeons for which we or any other firearms organization have no association whatsoever. But if 2018 is not current enough research for you, the Crime Prevention Research Center provided substantial supporting research just last month. Data was compiled from 13 states that had at least three years worth of data since the enactment of their own state's constitutional carry law. Those states are Alaska, from two, uh, which passed their bill in 2003, Arizona from 2010, Arkansas 2018, Idaho 2016, Kansas 15, Kentucky 19, Maine 15, Mississippi 15, Missouri 17, New Hampshire 17, North Dakota 17, West Virginia 16, and Wyoming 11. So that's a pretty good body of states with a lot of diversity in terms of their geographic locations, their populations, whether they include big cities or whether they're very rural. I think anyone would have to concede that's a nice cross-section of states. The research findings were significant and very relevant to Senate Bill 215. So I would ask members of this committee to recall how many times have you been told that allowing Ohioans to exercise their constitutional rights would result in blood in the street or increased violence. This latest research puts the lie to that old saw, showing a significant drop in the murder rate and a small but insignificant drop in violent crime in those states. I asked members of this committee how many times we've been told that this type of bill uniquely endangers law enforcement. The latest research shows no change in the number of law enforcement officers killed in those 13 states that have passed this legislation. So Mr. Chairman and members of this committee, it is a fact that there has been an epidemic of violence against police officers, much like there's been an epidemic of violence to the public in general. But as we have repeatedly asserted, these dangers have not come at the hands of law-abiding gun owners and continual repeated assertions that Ohio is going to explode in violence if the state finally lives up to its own constitution 
just simply are insulting to us, fear-mongering, and in many cases, just outright lies. This research and volumes of previous research continue to show that this legislation works and that it gives people back their God-given right to defend themselves and the lives of their loved ones. BFA greatly appreciates the time this committee has put into this legislation and asks for your quick approval of this important bill. Thank you. And finally, here is John Weber, State Director with NRA ILA. This clip is less than five minutes. Chairman Wilkin and members of the House Government Oversight Committee, my name is John Weber and I represent the National Rifle Association. I'm here today to speak about Senate Bill 215 and the National Rifles Association's support of this important piece of legislation. On behalf of our members in Ohio, I want to thank Senator Terry Johnson for his leadership and support on this effort. Our organization and membership are in strong support of this legislation. My goal today is to provide you with some facts around constitutional carry. I also hope to provide you with some comparative analysis and data from other states that have opted for this policy. Additionally, I hope to dispel many of the myths and misinformation that are circulating about this issue. First, this is not a new or uncommon policy. Nearly two-thirds of U.S. states allow constitutional open carry, and 21 allow concealed constitutional carry. In most of the country, law-abiding citizens can carry a firearm for self-protection without government permission and having to pay a fee. Ohio's current system is set up as a privilege, not a right. Constitutional carry simply allows a person who is otherwise legally able to possess and carry a firearm to do so in a manner of their choosing, often in discreet, concealable fashion. Again, this is not a new or uncommon policy. Secondly, constitutional carry will not allow prohibited persons to carry or buy guns. There are a number of misconceptions about constitutional carry, some accidental and some purposely placed. Constitutional carry does not change prohibited persons' law or any law governing the misuse of a firearm to include illegal brandishing, discharge, or threatening, among others. It does not affect prohibited places where a firearm cannot be carried or when force may be used in defense of self or others. It does not change who can legally purchase a firearm. Felons, violent criminals, drug users, and those adjudicated mentally defective still cannot go into a store and purchase a firearm. Constitutional carry simply gives law-abiding people better options for self-defense. Law-abiding citizens are the only individuals currently obtaining a license to carry a concealed firearm. Allowing these individuals to carry concealed without a license will not change the fact that they are law-abiding. This policy is for those law-abiding citizens who should not have to jump through governmental hoops to exercise a natural constitutional right. Third, states enacting constitutional carry legislation do not devolve into the Wild West. Opponents in every state claim that if constitutional carry is enacted, that it is going to be the end of days and that lawlessness and killing will escalate to epic proportions. These claims are simply not true. One of the most common myths that we hear is that removing the requirement of a permit is going to endanger law enforcement. Similar arguments were made during the passage of concealed carry, which is now in all 50 states, and simply is not true. To examine the impact of constitutional carry, the NRA used data from the FBI's annual Crime in the United States report. Our analysis focuses on the number of murders, including both those committed with a firearm and those committed with a handgun in these states. For this analysis, we selected states that have enacted a relevant law and for which sufficient public data is available for both the pre- and post-law periods. The states that met these requirements are Alaska, Arizona, Wyoming, Kansas, Maine, Idaho, 
West Virginia, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, and North Dakota. Vermont has always had constitutional carry. Other states enacted constitutional carry laws too recently to allow a meaningful comparison to murder statistics before and after the law took effect. Based on our analysis, it is clear that none of these states with sufficient available data experienced an increase in the number of murders, including handgun murders, after enacting constitutional carry. Fourth, people still apply for and pay for permits. The evidence from states who have enacted this policy have actually seen an increase over time in their permits. Arizona, for example, saw a more than 40% increase in issued permits in the years following adoption of constitutional carry. The current Ohio permitting system will remain in place for those still wanting to obtain a permit for reciprocity with other states. Training programs will still be as readily available today as they are, um, will still be as readily available as they are today for those who wish to obtain instruction. Fifth, criminals already carry concealed firearms with regard for the law. This legislation is not for them. It simply puts law-abiding Ohioans on equal footing. In closing, Mr. Chairman, the Second Amendment is clear and concise, and it guarantees the freedom and right to bear arms. It is time that we get back to trusting the citizens of this state with the rights guaranteed to them through the Second Amendment. I strongly urge passage of Senate Bill 215. Thank you. So this is where we stand with constitutional carry in Ohio. Senate Bill 215 has passed the Senate, and it's halfway through the hearing process in the House. There will be at least one more hearing, this time for those who oppose the bill. Then the committee will vote. Assuming there are no amendments, once it passes out of committee, the full House will vote. Then the bill is on to the governor's desk. Buckeye Firearms Association has put a lot of work into this process. We've been working with legislators and statehouse leadership on an almost daily basis for nearly two years to arrive at where we are now, a bill that has broad support and a clear path to becoming law. We're getting close to fulfilling the promise of the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms. And we'll continue our work until we reach the goal. Thanks for listening. We'll keep you updated on further progress. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, Go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.